0: Dunn Podcast, Episode 7. I'm joined today by my brother, Ryan Dunn. Both of us, former drinkers, this conversation is about quitting drinking alcohol. It's not easy. There's a whole lifetime of habits and social expectations that needs to be overcome, but it can be done. Ryan and I had different challenges, and we approached quitting in different ways, But some of the experiences of people like us are the same across the board. And we know that there are people listening to this who need to hear it. And we're both here for you. Reach out to us. We're here to talk about it with you. The song Take This Drink. Mm. This is a song that you wrote and put out on... On a collection of songs, I guess an album, uh, the Mister Four Wheel Drive album, several years ago. At the time, it was something that I celebrated a lot because, uh, as as a heavy drinker, we were both heavy drinkers at that time, and the song is about heavy drinking, right? It's uh, it was kind of a drinking anthem in a way. It's a, it's literally a song sung from the perspective of a guy who's celebrating the fact that he's drinking very heavily you think you are some kind of drinker you think you can out drink me hand me the shot glass and hand me the whiskey i'll show you what a good drinker should be like during the song itself he's like doing a whole bunch of shots One shot, two shot, three shot, four. Don't know about you, but I'm ready for more. Nine. <laughs> and then at the end, he's kind of collapsing right uh, onto the floor. Eighteen shots. And, you know, kind of curious, like now, the the point of this episode of the Steve Dunn podcast is for you and I both to have a conversation about the fact that we are both now former drinkers. And I'm curious, as the writer and performer of Take This Drink, uh, how you look back on that song now and how you feel about what it said about where you were, you know, as a person and with your drinking at that time.
1: It's one of my more popular songs, Celebration of Drinking, which is definitely where I was. I wrote it when I was in my 20s and a lot of my identity was tied into a drinking lifestyle and I kind of embraced it because I was a really fun person to be around when I was drinking. Uh, I think that might have been one of the many reasons it took me a while to identify it as a potential problem was because I was having such a good time and people around me we're having such a good time so even though there were displays that in retrospect could be seen as concerning it was always fun because i was never abusive you know what i mean like yeah i didn't yell at people i didn't get in fights uh right it was always a good time with ryan
0: yeah you're happy drunk and the, the other thing about you and this comes through in the song it, it's i think it's one of the reasons why the song is so true Is that, you know, not only were you living a drinking lifestyle and surrounding yourself with people who are drinking a lot, but you were kind of the ultimate of that. Like you were the guy and I I feel this way myself. Like you were the guy that would would be like at the very end of the party when everybody else has gone home and there's only a couple of people and who wants to, you know, have another drink. Like you were the guy that was always there for that.
1: It was really important
0: to me. Yeah. That was my identity. I wanted to be the last man standing. Right. And that song, I got to tell you, it is the absolute perfect uh, encapsulation of the whole thing. It really kind of says it all, which it's so funny to me because at the time when it came out, I was just like, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. Like this anthem is like expressing like sort of who we are. And now you look back on it and it's just like, oh yeah, right. Like that's It's not, almost
1: a little sad. Well, right? yeah, that's not like healthy yeah. at all. <laughs> no, this yeah. is too, and then in the song I was listening to it the other day, in the song and I remember writing this, there's okay. So I'll take this drink with you. It's, it's all, all
0: I've left anymore. to do. Yeah. I'll yeah. take this drink for you. It's all
1: I think there's something there. Yeah. I remember writing it and thinking,
0: Is that the word? I should come
1: up with a different line. Right. This is, that's a little sad.
0: No, no, it was there. I remember hearing it at the time. And, you know, yeah, it was there. It was, uh, it's all there.
1: So when I heard that, I hadn't thought about it in a while, but when I heard it, I was like, there was probably something inside me, even at that time, that was starting to think, this is probably a little much right. it's kind of, you know i still think it's a fun song and people should be able to just enjoy it but yeah. looking at it from this context it's like a sad song about a guy who who defines his whole life by wanting to embarrass someone with
0: drinking? Yeah, but you're like out drinking somebody, right? Yes. It's like a drinking competition. I sort of always thought about that scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark, where Indiana yes. Jones and the the woman like get like start to, or it's the no, it's not, it's the woman and like some some guy, guy some local, right? They get into a drinking competition. I always thought of that. I had that scene in mind when yes. I was writing it. I remember. I thought I'd just kind of go through like how we. Started drinking and kind of our drinking lives. And for me, uh, I never really drank in high school. I maybe drank one time ever in high school. Are you serious? Yeah, no, I never really drank in high school, man. I was around uh, drinking in high school a little bit, but I never really did. Uh, a buddy of mine named Johnny uh, came over and spent the night at at our house one time, and we took like just a little bit of liquor out of all the different bottles in the cabinet one night and i ended up throwing up in the front yard and felt terrible the next day that was the first time i ever drank and that was really the only time in high school i started drinking in college and when i went to college it was immediately clear that everyone was expected as the social life to get really drunk like a lot and i'm i'm really surprised now to look back on it the way that it was not just a social expectation but it was a it was in, allowed or i think you could even say enforced by the university itself. Like it was structural and institutional the way they set it up. They said, you know, they had a whole system of saying, okay, on these nights, you go to these places and get really drunk. And then on on Friday nights, it's different. You go to these other fraternity parties and get really drunk there. And then on Saturdays, these are the fraternities where you go and get really drunk. But the whole idea was that the thing to do every weekend was to go out and, uh, and drink to excess. And so that's what I did because I was very insecure and wanting to fit in with the, these this whole new group of people, you know, this whole new like world that had opened up to me that I was desperate to try to be a, a part of and be cool and fit into. and that was the thing that was expected and that's what most of us did, not everybody, but uh, you know a lot of people and certainly uh, of course all of my friends. that is what we did. And so that's how I started. And what I recall is you coming to visit me in college and uh, giving you alcohol. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know. How much did you drink in high school like uh, other than coming to see me? Yes. Uh, the first time I got drunk, I was 15. Uh, you know, I don't know. Do you remember this?
1: Because you handed me a full glass of wine. <laughs>
0: Yes, yes, like a large 32-ounce yeah, not, cup. And not
1: a wine glass. Yeah, right. no, yeah, like a large <laughs>
0: tumbler of wine. Yes, I do remember. I used to do that. That's right. Yeah, I used to Yeah, I used to do that before I went to work. I would drink a huge glass of wine uh, and then go to work at Chili's. Mm. Yeah, so I gave you one of those?
1: Yes, and that was the first taste I got. I don't want you to have any guilt about that because I definitely would have started doing it eventually, but that's officially the first time I can remember getting drunk. And after that, like, oh, this is awesome. I, I want to do this. And then I've always been a huge comedy fan. Right. And so I'm growing up on Animal House, Revenge of the Nerds, both, right. both films with very yeah. uh, humor that has not it hasn't aged, aged well. well. Yeah, that's exactly right. But that's where I was at the time. Right. right. Like the John Belushi. I wanted to be him. Right. And that was my vision. You know, teenagers, it's like, I can't wait to get out of here so that I can go be in a fraternity and party my butt off and have yeah. a great time because that looks like just a wonderful thing to do. Well, and, and that's exactly what you did. You went off and started. It looked like that's what was happening. So yep. I just immediately gravitated towards that. Being the youngest of three brothers, I was still very impressionable and wanting to fit in like you were describing but i had these older brothers who were in college doing right. all of those things i wanted to do so i just wanted to spend all of my time there and when i once i got to college my priorities were not on my studies
0: no it was mostly uh playing super mario kart or mario kart mario S- kart 64 yeah, N64, mario kart and uh drinking heavily and uh being in a fraternity i remember it well i mean i, I think that's kind of what We both did, and I think that that's something that a lot of people do. I don't don't think it's unusual at all.
1: You you know, you had mentioned there was not everybody did it. I actually think there were more than maybe we remember that weren't drinking and that were focused on their studies. I just wasn't hanging around them. No,
0: I think you're you're exactly right about that. I think there was a whole other side of college life that. I didn't really see Yeah, uh, for that reason.
1: And I remember getting some side eyes from some other students that I was with, or little comments, like there was one when I was a freshman, I had gotten so hammered I passed out. I didn't remember there were stories being told to me of right. certain things I was doing. And then one of the young women that I was in a class with was just like, wow, you you really like this, don't you? The attention you're getting from your, she kind of made me feel bad for all the joy that people were getting out of what an ass I made of myself, and I was just going along with it. Yeah, you know, I was really out of control, you know. Uh, and yeah. I remember her and and little experiences like that, like little tidbits of, oh, maybe maybe there's another reality.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because at the same time that we're, we're sort of like ignoring those warning signs and kind of distancing ourselves from the things that are not affirming us in this lifestyle that we've chosen. Like at the same time, we were exemplary drinkers and partiers and we're being constantly affirmed in that. And there were ways that I, I just recall that my, my fraternity in college had this award that they would give out. There's this this giant turtle mm. that they would give you a you know, booter, booter turtle and you'd have to sign your name to it and you it was given to you if you threw up at a party or something just a, the idea that there would be a war an award and that there would be something institutional and something celebrated about throwing up uh from drinking alcohol is it, very much part and parcel of what the college experience was. And I want to be clear, even though I I'm remarking about what the culture was like at my college and what, and we, we could talk about like what the culture is like, like throughout society. Um, I don't really, I don't blame anybody else, man.
1: I no, mean, you know, we're reminiscing and thinking, gee, I wonder if we had a problem. I think it's, I think it's perfectly normal and fine and acceptable and good for young people to, explore and have fun and party uh that's when you're supposed to do it but most people graduate right like they move on they start a family they get a mortgage and they maybe still drink but think oh you know that was for when i was in college i'm gonna move on to my next phase of life that's right i had it took me maybe a couple of decades to get out of that phase and that's i think uh, uh, something that uh, a lot of people have a hard time comprehending, including myself.
0: Yeah. Like, why didn't I graduate? Yeah, you know, it's not until I stopped drinking that I've started observing what I now call normal drinkers. Like, normal people yes. drinking normally. Like, now I see it in a way that I haven't seen it in my entire life. And it's totally clear that, like, I've never been that. Uh, but w- the way that, that I rationalized it for myself that it wasn't a problem, was that I was getting through life okay? You know, like the, I, I was doing the things that were expected of me in life. Like I, I was, I was working. I was showing up where I needed to be when I needed to be there. I wasn't like I, I didn't think I was. I definitely wasn't like physically abusing my family or anything like that. I don't know if I was like as present as I could have been. You know, I'm sure that I wasn't, but I wasn't like. Uh, cruel or anything like that yeah. i was paying my bills you know what i mean like we never got evicted from our house or anything like that so as far as i was concerned uh, i thought i guess i thought that i was like everyone else in a way i thought that like um i was solidly kind of in the normal core of people and it, it, it isn't until i have stopped drinking that i realized that normal people are don't drink the way that i did
1: no and this is uh common theme in recovery, rehab, a a word you'll hear a lot is insanity. You're living a life of insanity. And it starts, at least for us in our young age, where it becomes normal. When you get used to living life a certain way, and so much of your reputation is built around this one thing, right. it's like, this is just my reality. And for me, I know it started to turn in my mid-30s, excessive drinking where my, my common line would be, oh, well, I'm a functional alcoholic. That's what I would say pe- to people in a joking way. Like, yeah. I'm functioning, you know, to what you're, you were saying earlier about uh, being able to do all of the things you're supposed to do as an adult. But then I think when I first started, I, I think I can identify it. It's when my wife and I would usually share a bottle of wine in the evening, And I would start to buy two bottles of wine. Right. And pour her a glass and pour myself a glass and then pour myself wine from my secret bottle so that I would have a whole extra bottle. And that was the beginning of hiding. Ah. And that's, I think, the next step in my journey down the descent. Yeah. uh, Was when I started hiding. Because for the longest time, it was just open, who I was and what I was doing and there was a shift in my mid-30s where I started to uh, isolate, started to hide the behavior, and then started uh, excessively drinking alone over the course of the next few years.
0: I I assume you you went through periods of thinking like, okay, I should slow down. Did you do that? Did you make attempts at moderation?
1: Uh, All the time. Sometimes I would go for a full 30 days to prove to myself that I could. Uh, and I'd feel great, and then I'd start drinking again. Sometimes I would go for Lent. Uh, That was something our uncle does a lot. He always gives up alcohol for Lent, and I thought, that's a good marker. Just give up something. The whole spirit of Lent is that you give up something. You're sacrificing. Yeah, so I'll sacrifice alcohol, and so I could do that, and then it turned into, over time, (laughs) I'm going to give up alcohol for Lent, and then... A few days would go past and I'd be like, ah, oh, it's good. And start drinking. Uh, yeah,
0: I never really did like a long period of time. And I, when I say a long period of time, I mean like 30 days like, to me, that seems like yeah. a, a very long, That was an of eternity. Time. Yeah. And I, I never, I never really did that. I, uh, I would try to strategize more about just drinking less, like continuing to drink but drink less. So I had all these different gambits that I would use. Like I'd be like, "Well, okay, maybe only on the weekends, or maybe yeah. maybe only uh, wine, or maybe maybe just one or two uh, drinks a night." You know, I would always uh, try these things, and I'd, I'd come up with different excuses. Not so much like. I got to be drinking less, but I would, a lot of times I would like tie it to, uh, trying to lose weight, you know, I don't need the calories and that sort of thing. But I'm a lawyer and I was exceptionally gifted at, uh, coming up with exceptions to the rule. You know what I mean? Like whatever rule I came up with, it was very easy to find a way around in my own mind. And then, and then it would just be gone. It would just be over with nothing ever really lasted that long. And weirdly, I've found, and this was a a little bit surprising to me, that not, like, completely not drinking, like, not drinking at all is is a lot easier in certain ways than trying to moderate. Um, One of the phrases that I saw somewhere that really resonated with me is that if you are controlling your drinking, you're not enjoying it. And if you are enjoying your drinking, you're not controlling it. And that was definitely true for me.
1: I would switch like, okay, I've been doing hard liquor. I'm just going to do red wine. Uh, maybe that'll be a little better for my heart. You know, like that kind of stuff that yeah. you tell yourself. And then obviously the wine would <laughs> turn into a very unhealthy amount. Right. It was, it, I mean, long story short. Yes. I made several attempts to rein it in and become normal with my drinking. Uh, But at the end of the day, once the concept of having one drink is so foreign to me, it just, what's the point? Like one, I'm going to have one beer, please. I'm not even getting started until I'm at
0: six. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, I would aspire to have one and there were times I'd have one. I'd be like, Hey, I only had one. That was great. But, um, the problem that I would have is that after a couple, then all that, all that Self control is gone. Gone. Yeah. There's. It sounds like you're kind of the same way. There. There was a certain level. Like, once I started, there was the off, There was no off button. Uh, no. And it was. It would just be more and more and more. Like, way beyond the the point of reason.
1: The behavior of hiding things. Yeah. And,
0: and the stress
1: involved with the hiding. Yes. Which turn into essentially when you're hiding, you're lying. Yes. And uh, once you start to lie. In your closest relationships, it's not healthy. It's not good yeah, for it, those relationships. Yeah, not, no, it's toxic, and it's, there's a lot to unwrap that I'm still unwrapping, but...
0: You've been thinking about the difference between shame and guilt. Yeah. What do you mean by that?
1: This is something they, they stress a lot in recovery and in rehab. Guilt is, I did a bad thing. Shame is, I am a bad person. Over the course of the years, and the hiding and the lying, mixed with a physiological something in my body that it just attaches itself there's there's the way I'm designed is designed to be an alcoholic, mixed with self esteem issues and
0: uh anxiety self medication yeah,
1: I used it very much. There's a lot of reasons I might have dissented, but one of the big ones is self medication because drinking works it's a painful reality that uh, doesn't sound good but when you're having a panic attack and you're worried about all the things you're screwing up in life and you just want those thoughts to go away the alcohol takes care of it quick even physical pain for some time i was dealing with very severe uh back trouble chronic pain i was in pain uh every day all day and so starting to drink, alcohol, all of the pain, all of the physical pain and all of the emotional pain was gone. I think of the song. You and I are both fans of Jesus Christ Superstar, the Apostles. Yeah. Uh, Look at all my trials and tribulations, sinking in a gentle pool of wine. Sometimes I would literally sing that song to myself because I could feel everything going away. Right. Uh, Which is, I think, maybe something that some people don't understand when they hear how you've wrecked your life like why why wouldn't you just stop right it's like i couldn't yeah (laughs) yeah i I, yeah it was too i couldn't handle it everything and at some point i had to shut it off and i had this thing available to me right down the road at a store that could shut it off immediately
0: right one of the things uh that i do is I on Reddit? There is a community called Stop Drinking. It's populated by people who either have stopped or want to stop or trying to stop, sort of in all different stages of stopping drinking, they're thinking about it, or they're wondering if they should. And uh, people check in in all different um, conditions, and it is uh, it's a, an incredibly supportive environment which is very unusual on the internet so many times people are posting about like all the things that they've got going on and stopping drinking is is not a panacea you know quitting drinking like definitely changes your life in a whole lot of ways but but it doesn't change everything like we're still in the same world we still know all the same people we're still fundamentally the same person and there's other ways in which life is surprisingly the same surprising to me you know I was alluding to the discovering how little people notice or care what I was Mm. doing you know like I'll never forget man the first time I went to an event after I quit drinking I went to an event where there was going to be drinking and there was going to be people that I knew and alcohol was going to be served and everybody else was going to be drinking. And I was all worked up about going to this thing. I wasn't worried about me drinking. I, I knew I wasn't going to drink. What I was worried about was that all of those people were going to think that it was weird that I wasn't drinking. That like I was going to order a diet Coke or a soda water or something. And everybody be like, what what's going on? What are you doing? What's, are you not, are you not having a glass of wine? Can I get you something? So I go to this thing and I will always remember this, man. Like literally no one noticed or cared at all what I was drinking or not drinking. And I've had that experience again and again. And it goes back to the this observation that I've made about normal people. Like uh, the most of the people out there in the world are, are normal people and normal drinkers. <laughs> you know, I mean, they, they've all got their issues, but they don't have that same issue. Not all of them, anyway. Just the
1: concept of a lifestyle without drinking was so foreign. This is You hear a lot of people talking about this early in recovery. Like, what am I going to do? Right. Like, but So that, in and of itself, is a challenge. The other thing that I found was a lot of the people that I was spending a lot of time with were people that I had nothing in common with when we were sober. Sometimes, as I was sober, I came to realize that I had a lot of people in my life, all we ever did was drink. There was never anything more to the relationship, and I didn't want to hang out with them because I didn't really like them, you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: I, I had a buddy who stopped drinking years and years ago, and I thought about it, and I realized that as we looked back over the years, there was never, anything that we did that didn't involve heavy drinking i mean it was it was the main agenda agenda item my own situation i think is that i most of the people i think that i would that are friends or that i would interact with are what i would call normal drinkers i think most of them Um, and i don't know how many of them like do you have a sense of how many people knew that you had a drinking problem like before you quit or, you know, went into rehab or whatever. Like I I I, I'm very unclear in my own mind how people regarded me and whether people thought that I was struggling ever. No, I think
1: there was over the last couple of years within my inner circle, the I had just revealed too much that everyone in my family knew. But I would say outside of that circle most people's belief would probably be like this is a perfectly normal functioning guy like right uh, i think i was pulling it off yeah uh, to the outside world
0: yeah like maybe got a little tipsy uh, well now that on occasion or something that
1: started to spill over i lost a couple of jobs and uh some very unceremonious ways I started to be able to not function properly over the last i would say three or four years. It went from some form of functioning to being totally out of control and uh unable to engage in daily activities that adults are supposed to be able to engage in uh because I was drink- I was drinking in the morning,
0: yeah. Yeah. So there's a, there's a line that I never cross. Yeah. Um, I, and I've, I'm, very fortunate that when I started out as a lawyer, my partner, um, who hired me, one of the first things he ever told me was something that was one of the first things that the lawyer that he started working for when he was in his twenties told him, which is don't ever start drinking until the, the day is done he he just said that's the line like that was his line that was the way that he <laughs> kept it in check you know what i mean like never don't ever start cuz we would we would go to lunch and there'd be that guy that was having beer with lunch you know what i mean and like the definition of holding it together was don't start drinking until you're finished with work for the day and so that's what i always did so I did not I never got up and started drinking in the morning and I guess it's it's in a way I mean it it probably I'm sure it prevented my problem from being worse and it probably prevented me from blowing it more like in a professional sort of context I mean the biggest problem that I had would be like I'd be a little bit hungover in the morning or I you know I wouldn't be at my best for half the day or you know I don't know man I'd be like you know Fridays and Mondays like more likely than other days like I'd have to be sick. You know what I mean? Like not come into the office or whatever. Like I was tired a lot. Yeah. Tired. Yeah, sure. You know, exactly. Or, but I, I actually really believe that I faked it and carried it off pretty well. Cause like, even now when I mention to people that I've stopped drinking, I get these kind of quizzical responses, you know, just sort of like, Oh really? Oh, huh, well, you know, like kind of surprised. Um, I think I was carrying through when it comes to the actual process of quitting you and I have t- have taken a couple of different paths. Like you, you've done two stints in residential rehab, uh, and I'm curious, like, what those experiences were like for you.
1: Yeah, I think the long and the short of it is, I just wasn't ready the first time. Right. There's a lot of reasons for that, but I don't. I didn't want to be there. I didn't make the choice to go there. Uh, I mean, technically, I did, but it was after an intervention. Yeah. Uh, it was probably a good thing to for me to go, but I just wasn't there mentally ready to, you you have to, any addict has to be ready to do it themselves, which is what was the big difference between the second time, the second time I chose to go, I made the phone call, Right. which I think is significant, at least for me.
0: You're all working on this problem of addiction that you're all suffering from. And what what is that? I mean, what what do they tell you in rehab about what, what what's it about? What do you do every day?
1: Well, so just your everyday rehab experience. You're gonna wake up, uh, you know, starting off, you're gonna detox and and go through the all that stuff. But your regular, average, run of the mill day, you're gonna go have your group. You usually have your group of people that you eat with, that you bond with. There's an incredible bond that you make with people when you come in together because you're all coming in at rock bottom. You're all detoxing. So you're, you're going through this physical stuff. You're getting pills and needles stuck in you. It's COVID. You're getting Q-tips jammed up your nose and you're all in it together and you get to know each other real quick. And all of the stuff that you've been ashamed of for so long is all out the window because everyone has been doing the same thing you've been doing it so you can talk about it freely which is a very new and different thing to experience when you've been hiding for so long and then you just start going to group meetings they identified in me very early that I had a lot of self-esteem issues and then you work with a individual therapist to talk about that specific thing that regards to you. And have these bonding experiences where you can uh, have gaming tournaments or uh, karaoke and uh, just live your lives and enjoy each other's company and get to know each other and share in your pain and and they try to empower you with coping mechanisms to uh, succeed after you leave and come up come up with a game plan right for, after you leave rehab. Everybody has their own individual plan and then you leave and like most people fail right like, statistically and that, that's been like a hike kept in touch with probably about 12 people after this last go around and like one by one
0: they all fell off the wagon either
1: they would stop responding yeah which
0: yeah says it all
1: i think so yeah and then or they would just be very open yeah About yeah no i'm back and I you know a couple of them died. Uh, yeah. I that was a uh, that was something that they didn't really prepare me for. Not that they would, but yeah, like I've got this very co- close bond. I was in mourning for a, a friend that I had made this last time around. Now God,
0: you're in there with people that it's not just alcohol, right? Are there other are people in there that are addicted to other drugs and stuff like that?
1: Oh yeah, so that's the first thing you identify. A lot of times, the first question you'll get is, "What's your DOC?"
0: Yeah, your drug of choice. Drug of choice, right? So uh, there's. So you're you got opiate addicts in there, and you got meth addicts and stuff like that. I mean, is it all all together? Crack. Yep. Yeah. I mean,
1: uh, you 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 name it. A Lot of pills.
0: You told me that, it, at least in the first one, there was at least one guy who like basically just had no intention of of stopping at all. Like it was just there. I don't know because the court made him or something, and who was just like, as soon as I get out, I'm gonna like. Go right back to it. Like very matter-of-factly.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's Everybody's in their own place. Some are only there because they've been ordered to go there.
0: Right, or they feel like they're going to get a better deal or exactly. something. Exactly. Yeah, they're yeah, a
1: lawyer. This is a yeah. lawyer. Go do this
0: thing. Yeah, I can tell the judge. Like, it oh, oh, he's good. in rehab right now. Yeah, yeah. No, he's really trying. Yeah. The other thing... That you have participated in that I have not is Alcoholics Anonymous or AA. And it's sort of like the, the pattern of a 12-step program. So without necessarily going through you know, all of them or what they are, it sounds like the first one is what? Just sort of surrendering yourself to – there's like a higher power concept that's uh, – I,
1: I am powerless. Okay. It's admitting that you're powerless, which is a difficult thing for people to do like you spend so much time saying to yourself i i can do this yeah i can i'm gonna stop drinking today that's right right you know I, i'm mean? gonna
0: only have one glass of wine yeah during the week yeah right yeah.
1: and that happens for a decade right and at some point usually longer than it should take especially for me yeah i realize okay yeah no i can't i can't do this i can't just normally i i do not have the power within myself i have to go full stop right and i can't do it on my own i need help right and that's i that's what i came to believe powerlessness was yeah and then it turns into the next step i might have to look at the steps but uh basically giving yourself over to god right uh that's the higher power right this higher sense of purpose.
0: It's a little bit flexible about what that necessarily entails, right? Like they don't require you to be a Christian or something like that, right? I mean, I I think it came out of Christianity, right? Yeah.
1: Well, they they do open up and close the meeting with a prayer. Okay. Our Father is always the closing prayer. And yes, but they do leave it very open to your own interpretation of what a higher power is. Right. But it finally occurred to me that it's the fellowship for me. But uh, just the power of the people, the power of me sharing and the power of me hearing other people's experiences and the power of knowing, like I was alluding to before, that I'm not alone Yeah, uh, is what I need. I I communicate with a priest from time to time who's been very helpful with me on opening myself up to spiritual aspects of life, Uh, the concept that. God speaks through you, and the concept that anytime you speak to another person, you're speaking to God because God is in all of us. I know some people, their higher power is the ocean because the ocean is bigger than them and vast and unexplored and unknown. Uh, You know, uh, for some people, it is very religiously based. One of the things. it, it, It took me a long time to buy into the higher power. Some people go every day. Some people go multiple times a day. Okay. Uh they prefer you when you're first starting out to go they call it 90 for 90. Right. 90 straight days. Right. I don't go every day. I usually average about once a week. Uh, which that saying that in and of itself I'm sure there's going to be some people in the program like oh once a week
0: man. once a week is not really you're, you're yes. insufficiently committed you're, yeah. to the yeah you're I, not really do-
1: that's well, the kind of stuff when I say I'm hesitant to talk about that's the kind of stuff a simple comment like that I yeah. go once a week some people are going to view that negatively you know yeah what I mean? but I
0: think you you talked earlier about how far you've come and like not caring what, right. what people think I mean truly that strikes me as like the perfect opportunity to not care what those people think
1: yeah but I'm also that empathetic i'm sympath- i'm i understand that some people have different needs yeah and that's that-
0: what they ought to understand about you yeah yeah well, i guess what i'm saying though is i, I think that the, there's something about this uh it being there it's always there from what i understand uh 24 hours a day you can get on a zoom if you need to that, yeah there you can isn't.
1: always there, i've been on meetings in australia
0: yeah there's meetings like in pretty much every city right like um all the time, everywhere. I, I yeah, I, I don't know a whole lot about it, but it, it strikes me that doing that thing every day is a great way of replacing the other thing that you used to do every day, which is drinking alcohol. You know what I mean? It's a it's it's something yeah. it's a it's a way because one of the big phrases that people in recovery talk about and that really totally makes a lot of sense is the concept of one day at a time and the, the consequent the the idea of you don't have to in a sense, it's like you don't have to change the world, and you don't have to change your whole life, and you don't have to change everything forever. You just have to change the moment. I've I've never gone to an AA meeting.
1: Um, I'll I'll take you to one if you want.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's funny, man, because like I've I've re- I've really never like um, affixed the label alcoholic to myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is kind of a funny thing because it's like. I mean, come on, dude. Like, you're a person that was, like, drinking way too much, who needed to quit, <laughs> who tried for a really long time and was unsuccessful and then eventually did, did quit. You know, like, what else would you call that? <laughs> you know, like, I kind of get it on some level, but, like, at the same time... I've never I don't know I've never uh, I, I know that's a big part of it right you have to introduce yourself and say like hi I'm Steve and I'm an alcoholic right yeah and I guess I mean I could do that I could get up and say those words it's definitely I mean it's definitely true right I like, I don't object to it in I, that way I but. think
1: you could I don't think they're uh, the only requirement to attending a meeting is a desire to stop drinking yeah so yes it is traditional to uh, and you can't you can't Be drinking.
0: Be drinking, like at at the time. Yeah. Which sometimes is a problem. Oh, I'm sure.
1: There are observers. There are people it's okay to just come check something out.
0: Right. Well, part of it is the anonymous aspect of it, right? I mean you're you're definitely supposed to honor the fact that the people who are there, like, even if you know who they are, like you're supposed to um, it's, it's, it's like Fight Club or something. Well, is, that, is that too trite of a comparison? Like where you just don't like... Well, i
1: say, yeah, you do not talk about people that go there.
0: Right. That, that is sacred. Part of what I hope to accomplish with this conversation is to talk about what the path forward might look like for anybody who might be listening and recognizing themselves uh, in this conversation, right? Like what what is out there? And so re- residential rehab is uh, something that you've done. AA is something that you've done. My own path has been different in the sense that the nature of my drinking was a little bit different for me. It was uh, uh, it it, it was it was too much for sure, and it was too often. It was pretty much all the time in large quantities, Uh, but but not during the day, you know, like not while I was at work. And the nature of my stopping has been different as well. I, I didn't go to rehab, and I haven't gone to AA. I just stopped drinking. I started. few years ago I did a sober October where I endeavored to not drink alcohol for the month of October. And I made it about 24 days or so. I didn't even make it to the end of the month. I kind of, I made it like a few weeks and I decided that I had kind of made my point and I just went right back to it. And that was that. And up until the time that I actually stopped uh that was the longest period of time that 3 weeks I think was the longest period of time I'd gone without alcohol in over 30 years like since I was like 18 years old. So that's different from you. You had done months at a time before and you'd given it up for Lent, I guess. Um early on when I started to think maybe I should Oh okay. Later so if, on it was You didn't even bother with it. Yeah, so I I didn't I never even I I never even allowed myself to believe that what I had was a problem I, I thought that what I was doing was normal, and I don't know at what point like I don't really know what the fuzzy dividing lines are between a problem and not a problem really you know what I mean like I'm I'm a little bit unclear on that in my own mind but I, all I know is that at some point I realized that I was going to have to stop I figured I would stop eventually I, I there there came a time and I just lived with it for a good long while in which I knew that I was going to stop and that it was just a question of when and how and uh so what i did was last year 2020 i guess october 1st i stopped Uh, that was the last the last time i had a drink of alcohol was september 30th of 2020 and i uh called it a sober october but in my own mind i knew that it would be for the best if i extended it past that time and I just want to, you know, say for whatever it's worth for whoever is out there that my own experience was that it was super hard for a while, but then it got easier with the passage of time. And I feel like after I I feel like around 90 days or so. I think I re- I distinctly recall when I started the um the Reddit The subreddit has a counter that you can put next to your username where it keeps track of how many days you've been not drinking. Uh, You can like, it's it's like a piece of flare or something you can have that displays the number of days. And I would see these people with like 60 days and 90 days, and I would just be like, that's. It seemed like an impossible dream to me. You know, it seemed like an impossibly long time, like 60 days, 90 days. Like how, how can that be done? And then and then you see people with like ludicrous amount like multiple years and it's just like I that's not even <laughs> that's not even on the radar but I just remember 60 days and 90 days seeming like an impossible dream but if you, if you just hang in there 60 days comes around and 90 days comes around and I sort of felt like around 90 days I sort of felt like it became much more of like normal daily life like less of an, a constant struggle to not be drinking like on a daily basis it was not nearly as much of a like a depriving or a sacrificing or a, a chore to not drink but it became more of like just normal life like a new habit like the formation of a new habit yeah you know? yeah and so i you know I, I just i would say to anybody who's uh Considering this, that it does get easier after a while, because I think if you didn't, and that oh, by the way, though I think I would also be remiss and in, in, not, in not saying that it never, at least you not yet, goes completely away either. You know what I mean? You and I talked about this a little bit. I went through a period of time of thinking about starting drinking again after I'd done a year. I, th- I thought that once I hit a year, maybe I would uh, just try again and see how it went. And then maybe if I needed to quit again, I could just quit you know, again, right? And so I thought about it and uh, I thought about it and I'd almost got to a point where I was sort of planning on starting to drink again. Uh, I kind of convinced myself that that's what I was going to do. But then I realized the thing that changed my mind was I realized that when I was imagining drinking again, I was not imagining drinking like what I've been referring to as a normal person. I was not imagining myself having a glass of wine with dinner and that's that or doing what normal people do like uh you know like for example i know you know what i'm talking about with this leaving a half drunk glass of wine on the table at a restaurant when you leave the restaurant you know what i mean who does that exactly well a lot of people do that and that's the thing like that's the sort of thing that's just like incomprehensible i would finish those people of course yeah exactly right (laughs) But are, you're not gonna finish that. Oh. Yeah, well, no, that's, a,
1: that's like a seven-dollar glass of wine.
0: I guess what I'm saying is that I realized when I was imagining going back to it again, I was planning and imagining drinking excessively again, like immediately. Like I was, I was planning on like drinking way too, sitting in my chair and pouring my very stiff liquor drinks just like I did before, and that was my intention. And I realized that if I was gonna do that then I was just going to find myself right back in this place again. I was just going to be, it was, I was just going to have to quit again for all the reasons that I quit in the first place, which for me boiled down to, I was worrying all the time about my health. Uh, I worried a lot. I worried constantly about my health. I worried what I was doing to myself um, and i got a history, man. I, I had a heart attack. I got, you know, I'm not like the healthiest guy by any stretch. And I was definitely drinking an unhealthy amount. I'm not sure if there is any healthy amount, really. Um, but I, whatever it is, it was. I was way beyond that. And I worried about it constantly. And then I was feeling the physical effects of it. I didn't feel good in the mornings, you know. I was hungover all the time. And it it just got exhausting. And I just knew that if I started up again, that's what it was going to be again. And why just better to just skip it. And just, there's no upside to it. Like there's no, there's no, there's no gain really um, to drinking again. It's not like uh it's not like this, is this wonderful thing that I'm really missing out on. In fact, it's like, it's, it's really nice to be a non drinker. I'm kind of curious about that for you. Like what, I know that it doesn't solve all of our problems, right? We're we're still us, We've, we still carry around the baggage that we had before, we got other issues in life that are uh, maybe related to, but separate from drinking in some way, but what are the, uh, the positive aspects of not drinking for you?
1: Well, on my journey, the most positive aspect has been a maturing sense of myself, uh, I'm kinder to myself. You know, you talked about worrying all the time. That was certainly a part of my every day, along with being ashamed of myself and having a voice in my head telling me how ashamed I should be of myself. That voice is still there, but it doesn't control me the way it used to. I'm I'm more capable of being able to identify it when it's talking to me. The gift of, of saying no, the gift of... Setting boundaries. Boundaries is a big was a big problem for me that I'm much better at now. Generally having more confidence and being prouder of myself. I uh I sometimes compare the daily life of being in addiction and being ashamed to taking away little pieces of your soul. And little by little on every day I was chipping away at my soul until there was nothing left or nearly nothing left. Whereas now, every day, one day at a time, I pick up those little pieces and put them back together, and my soul is becoming healthier and growing, and I'm learning new things about myself, and I'm clear-headed, and even though I don't wake up and feel perfect, and I haven't lost the weight that I wished I had lost, I wake up knowing that I wasn't hiding the night before, and uh, I'm not hungover.
0: Yeah, not being hungover yeah. is so great, man. That's—I was gonna say, like for me, a lot of the the positive things are very just practical, very simple, almost like I, you know, I I hate to like take it down to like a very earthly level after you've just talked about your soul, <laughs> but like strictly in a practical way, uh, not being hungover all the time is incredible. Uh, I can like making plans is a lot easier because it's just like oh yeah i mean i'll just drive like i can drive anywhere anytime <laughs> because i'm not ever drinking at all yeah <laughs> so it used to be like driving was like a whole thing you I know mean, i had to like figure out like
1: buying just a few things at the grocery store right like just so you don't have to go to the the person at the checkout line you can just scan yourself you don't have to worry about showing your ID to anybody.
0: Right. Oh, yeah. It's had, a little thing. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, that that's a good one. Yeah, no, that one the uh going out to eat at a restaurant or something like and the check is like a lot cheaper, you know, because oh, yeah. I'm not getting cocktails and I'm not getting wine and like that stuff is really expensive. Yeah. So, saving a lot of money. I have this app uh, that I use. It's called I think it's called like being sober or something. What's it called? Hang on. Let me see. It's called I Am Sober, right? And so I keep it, for me, it's mostly just a, a counting of days. Yeah. And so as of this date that we record this, it's 445 days since I had alcohol. But it, what it does is it also, it um, it adds up the number of dollars that you've saved. If you put in like how much you thought you were spending on alcohol, and I will tell you, I'm not going to disclose that number right now, but I, let's just say I liked good stuff man like I drank really good wine <laughs> and uh and and good good liquor uh I bought the good brands anyway so that you know saving money is is a really nice thing being able just knowing that like if I get a call in the middle of the night and I got to go somewhere and do something like I know that I can because yep. I know that you know I'll be you know clear-headed enough um to pull that off and so it's oh one here's one uh this is an underappreciated thing I, I now remember stuff I've seen TV shows and movies and shows and stuff like that. Like I went to, I went to a ton of Fish concerts um, over the years, and my memories of a lot of those are very hazy, you know, at best, because I was drinking heavily at every single one of them, and there were like. Netflix you know my family and I would like binge a Netflix series or something and I'd find myself watching an episode I'd be like wait a minute what you know why is that guy doing that thing and my wife Kelly would look at me and just be like uh because in the last episode as you might recall this plot yes. point developed you know I'm like oh yeah no I don't remember that so I'm now I'm actually able to like go back and see uh TV shows and movies that I've that I've seen before but that I you know I just wasn't fully present for and uh, and recall them a lot better. Uh, so I like that.
1: And a lot of the stuff that you think, you had mentioned it before, I think I was getting away with it. A lot of the stuff you think you were getting away with, especially if you're deep in it, you're not really doing a good job pulling it off. Right. Uh, and just to take all of that off your plate, the, the lies, having to keep up with all of the lies and the stress involved with... Uh, where did I hide those bottles or where what did I what was what what excuse am I going to come up with for why I'm behaving this way right now it's all just it's when you're true to yourself and honest with people about what's happening in your life and how you're feeling it's such a more peaceful way to live than when you're trying to present an image of yourself that isn't accurate
0: one of the things that I don't do any more that I used to do more often than I really care to admit is wonder what what happened last night like what did I do am I in trouble what did I say yeah like who do I need to, is it possible that I need to apologize to somebody for something
1: you're like nervous to look at your phone
0: yeah try to piece it together you know like wait for those flashes to sort of come back and then hear what people have to say and you know it was it's I feel very fortunate that there was never anything like terribly disastrous, but you know, I embarrassed myself many, many times. Um, Even just simple stuff that maybe there wasn't any consequence from, but I now think back on and cringe. Like, uh, you know, I'd be the guy like at dinner at the nice restaurant that would like knock over the, the wine glass, you know what I mean? Or I'd be the guy that would kind of lose my balance. Like at the, charity gala or whatever and kind of like lean over on the table a little bit too hard, you know, or dance, uh, weirdly.
1: (laughs) I I had to be, uh, driven away from a wedding I attended once. Yeah. Nothing like you were saying, nothing. I didn't break the wedding cake or anything, but it, it was time for me to go.
0: I think about like you and I both have kids. You have a daughter. I've got two kids and, um, they're of an age now where, they're they're teens and they're starting to be surrounded by they're starting to be aware of people like in their you know in their age group um experimenting with stuff and starting to get into stuff they definitely have like friends that have smoked weed and stuff like that for all i know maybe they have you know they haven't admitted that to me i don't know but um i wonder about the relationship that that i would like them to have with alcohol and drugs you know it's uh Uh, I'm definitely not one to sort of forbid I'm kind of, you know, open or whatever, but I, I, I also think that if they had of a mind, like that, you don't have to do what everybody else is doing or what I did. And I guess, I don't know, man, like we talked about in college, like how there was probably this whole parallel world, just like there are, there's this, this whole world of normal drinkers out there today that we now see. I wonder you know what? What do you think about that? About our kids and sort of what world they're gonna move forward into?
1: Obsessively all the time. Yeah, really. Uh, all the time, wondering, especially when I went away to rehab and she saw things that I wish you hadn't seen. Uh, Am I messing up my kid? That yeah. kind of stuff. Or statistically, you know, if you have a parent that's an alcoholic, that puts you at a higher percentage. And, oh, no, what have I done? But I am proud to this point I've been able to pull myself back. There's a lot of people I've I've known and continue to know who have lost it all. That's where they find themselves in rehab. And their family, their daughter doesn't want to talk to them anymore because it's been you know, they're estranged for very naturally good, healthy reasons. And it's very painful. And that was the road that I was on. So it means a lot to me that I was able, I I have been able to come back for her. I was in such a low place thinking about myself personally that I didn't necessarily believe that I was worth saving you know kind of the mindset of they'll be better off without me I was never I never went full suicidal but just kind of that mentality of lost cause it's it's came over it's it's done but I never believed that about her I believe that she would be greatly damaged if I were to exit her life and I could not live with that and so I chose to just do whatever I had to do to fight my way, or at least make the best effort I could to get back to being the person I want to be for her. Yeah. And in in that process, I've learned to do that for myself, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't of the mindset to think that I was worthy of it when I was deep in it. So, I'm not offering advice to anyone. I'm just saying that for me, I had to find somebody that I cared about and loved about, loved so much that I that they were worth fighting for. Uh, until I could learn that I was worth fighting for. If that makes sense. It, I didn't at all answer your question, no, but no, that's, no, no. yeah,
0: it, it absolutely did. And I think you made uh, <laughs> a great point, which is that you're. You, you do this for yourself, but it absolutely has a positive effect on the lives of others as well. I mean, just as something as simple as being more present, um, yeah, just being there The the concept of like remembering things and and not being distracted and, uh, being more available, uh, for things just even, even if it's something as ludicrous as the, pure logistics of driving and being able to drive and that opening up uh, you know other options for doing things together with the people that are important to you. Yeah,
1: well that's something I wouldn't do with my daughter at night because I was drunk. Yeah. And now I can take her to go see Spider Man. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: exactly. I mean the stuff like that, it just seems I don't know. It's, it's like it's uh it's um it's hard to talk about in a way because it it it's easy to get sucked into like sort of regret uh, for the past. But I'm what I hope for is a brighter future. and what I one of the things I was kind of getting at before was, I think the fact that we have stopped drinking, at least, one of the differences that our kids are gonna experience in life from what we experience in life is just knowing that like not drinking is actually an option. you know what I mean that like not drinking alcohol is is part of our family culture in a way now that, uh, that it wasn't when you and I were growing up where, I mean, as you well know, in our family, both sides of our family, both sides of our, our, um, our you know, our, our our father's family and our mother's family um, were drinkers on both sides. It was, uh, the culture was we would always get together and drink from a very young age. We started, like, serving drinks. There's, like, a, a bar <laughs> at our grandmother's house, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and that's... Um, that's going to be different for our kids. So I wonder if, you know, they're going to come and, and both of them have a parent who quit. Right. And so they're aware of the existence of, you know, the possibility of a problem there in a way uh, that, so maybe if they find themselves going down that path um, they might not, take as long as you and I did to sort of recognize the warning signs and, uh, to take steps and, and and even just to know through our, our own example that it's possible, you know, to, um, to, to solve that problem, right. Even if, uh, you can't solve every problem. And so up
1: to this point and throwing back a little to what you were talking about earlier about the concept of distance in your sobriety and I I also remember thinking, 90 days? That guy's got 90 days. Yeah,
0: right? I mean, yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> uh, there are people that come to meetings that I've over 20, 25 years, and there's a lot of stories in between there of people who are at seven, nine years. Yeah. And they. it's always the same story. I ended up in a bar. I got a glass in front of me. I know where it's going to lead. I know it's a bad idea. I tell myself as... I begin to drink. I can't believe I'm doing this. And then I do it. And it was so much worse this time around than it was the first time around. That's always, it's always the same. I've right. heard this probably many dozens of times in a meeting. Right. With a long, and that's always been very jarring to me. Like, yeah, you, you never say
0: years. Right, right, right.
1: 11 years. Somebody will come in after 11 years with, uh, pick up my white chip. They're going, going back a little bit to, uh, some of the AA stuff. Well,
0: what's the white chip? Is that one day? So the
1: white chip is the chip you pick up on your very first, uh, not just your first AA meeting, but after you have relapsed. This, this, uh, this is uh, this can be a point of contention in the program because when it's AA, when you relapse, even if it's for one day, you got to start back at the white chip and work your way through the entire twelve step. Some people believe that if you got eleven, 11 years. And you, like, have a two-week pender or something. Why do you have to start back at square one, right? Like, right. Why can't we still view this as a success? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, like...
0: Well, and you're not starting over. I mean, you're not... You you have a completely yeah. different perspective from somebody who's never quit at all.
1: Yeah, so, anyway. But you, you do. You start over at the white chip. According at, to the rules. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, there's a series of chips you get... One after 30 days, you get one after 60 days, you get one after 90 days, six months, nine months, which is traditionally one of the hardest ones to get, and then one year. There's something about that nine month chip.
0: You get cocky after six months. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think part of it is you figure like, well, if I ever need to quit, I can, because I know I can, because I did. Yeah. So honestly, dude, one of the reasons why I was reluctant to record this conversation is because I recognize the possibility that I could drink again, that I could become a drinker again, you know? And I, it's one, it's like, I, I was reluctant to put this out there into the world and then someday be a drinker again. And then that in, in, in that way, I'm a failure. You know what I mean? Whereas up to this point for me, this has just been like, well, I haven't had a drink in 445 days. Like that's it. That's all it is. I haven't, You know, we talked before about, like, I haven't affixed any labels to myself. I haven't affixed any labels to, like, what I was before or what I'm doing now. I haven't made any. And that was a big deal, I don't know, for me. When I first started quitting, it was sort of like I I was very reluctant to say I've quit drinking completely. You know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't even tell my wife, Kelly that I was stopping stopping stopping. I told her I was doing sober October. <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't even tell her until like near the end of October that I wasn't going to start drinking again in November. And I was a little bit nervous about it. Like there were all these these social pressures to drink alcohol. Um you know, within it was a, it definitely a habit uh in my family and Kelly still drinks um like a normal person, you know, like she always has, really. And um I was part of a wine group that I really enjoyed. We got together every month and like tasted fine wines. And I really liked that. And I did not want to quit. I was even thinking about like only drinking at wine group once a month. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like being my compromise thing. I mean, all that stuff out there. It is hard. There are social pressures and it is not obvious and easy, but it's also at the same time, like I was much more wrapped up in my own head about all of this stuff than anybody else was, you know what I mean, Like no, nobody else that I talked to. And now, like to the point where I I talk to somebody now, if I meet somebody new or something and it's just like, oh, you know, I have a drink, you want to get something to drink, ah, no, you know, kind of a former drinker, yeah, you know, it, it's a total non-issue. It's, it's a complete non-issue with almost everybody all the time. <laughs> And anyway, I just, I I want, it was important to me to say that to anybody who's thinking like, you know, like, ah, think of all these reasons why it's hard. It's, um, all of those things can be overcome.
1: All, All of those are part of the lies that you tell yourself to keep drinking. Right. And then on top of that, there's no, just because you have a thought doesn't mean that it's real. Your mind is very tricky.
0: If you could go back in time and say something to your younger self, um, what do you think you would say?
1: Be kinder to yourself. Talk openly with the people that you love and the people that love you about what's going on. No matter what, don't hide it. I think that's the the biggest hump that I've had to overcome is this belief that i have to present an image of myself as together and in control and responsible
0: i wrote myself a letter uh that i just keep i still have it on the desktop of my laptop Um, i'm looking at my laptop right now (laughs) as we're recording on the desktop of this laptop is a letter that i wrote to myself uh, in November a year ago, shortly after I stopped. And it was, I I think I wrote it as kind of a, like, Hey, if you're thinking about drinking again, like this is here for you to read as a, just a reminder of why you stopped. I, I kind of wrote down like why I stopped in the first place. Uh, it wasn't like to my younger self. It was to my present self. You know what I mean? And, um, I've looked at that every once in a while, but you know, I haven't looked at it in a long time. um, I think I'm, I guess I'm past that part of it. Um, I think if I were talking to my younger self, I think the message that I would want to get across in some way is you don't have to do this. That there, that not everybody does. That you don't have to, and that there are there are other options. There's a whole other way of life, um, and I don't know that I ever really seriously contemplated that really almost up until the time that I actually quit you know like I don't think I it ever really occurred to me that stopping was something that you could, you could do or that that I could do there that, that I needed to do you know what I mean like it like just if I could get that across to myself um what do you think the future holds um for you whether it's in regard to I don't know. Do you think you ever drink alcohol again? Do you ever think about that? Well, I have to
1: keep my mind open to the possibility that that can happen. Yeah. Uh, Statistically, it's highly likely. Hmm. The fact that I have this record, this personal record, is very meaningful. It would be a big thing. It would not be my normal relapse after, you know, a few days or a few weeks. After this much time and after everything... It would be very significant, but I'm fully aware from going to meetings and hearing people's stories after a lot of time that it happened.
0: 11 years, right? Yeah.
1: Assuming that I continue down the journey and don't drink, I see myself becoming with goals of returning a lot to uh, the stage, uh, which has always been a passion of mine. I'm working on a play right now with an old writing partner of mine, And generally, being a part of building the community in Charlotte, the artistic community, is where my heart is. And I think there's a lot of room for growth within the artistic community in this city. And I would like to, in some small way, be a part of helping that blossom. And by doing that, I am fulfilling something very important to my recovery. I love that feeling of, oh, this is going to be great. I I really can't wait for people to see this. Even if people, it doesn't really get a lot of traction. I love that feeling of excitement of uh, creating something and sharing it. Uh, That's what I live for combined with uh, uh, trying to live openly and honestly and looking for opportunities to be of service. And I think if I put all of those together, uh, all of the other stuff, the mental stuff and the Hang ups and anything else generally starts to come together. You know what I mean? If I stay focused on not just not drinking, it's not just about not drinking, it's about these daily practices, developing those new daily routines and and habits that aren't about yourself or about others.
0: Well, I think that's a great place to leave it. Uh, Thanks very much for being with me today on this Keep Done podcast.